All right, you ready? So this week's podcast is going to be about homelessness. Do you remember when you were seven? Um, kind of. Well, when you were seven, we were in California, and maybe it was when you were eight, and we drove past a guy that was homeless on the street. He had one of those signs, and you asked me a question. Do you remember the question? Uh, no. You had this, you had a question, like, how do, how do, how do those people get help? So this week on the podcast, we are going to be asking and trying to and start to answer that question. Hey, this is Josh, and welcome to the I Love Humans podcast, the first episode. I'm pretty excited about this. This week is all about homelessness. We're going to start with a conversation I had with my 11-year-old son a couple weeks ago. We're walking across southeast Baltimore, um, running some errands, and he had some pretty insightful things to say about homelessness. What do you think are some of the challenges that homeless people face? Um, being really cold when it's in the winter and when it's really, really hot in the summer, they don't have anywhere to cool down. Yeah. What else do we need to know in order to help people that are homeless? Well, um, if they need any clothes or something. Yeah. Should we talk to some people that are homeless and ask them those questions? Yes. Yes. Yeah. A lot of this conversation was uncomfortable for Hayden. A lot of quiet thinking. And then I asked him this question. What kind of emotions do you think that they feel? Sad, hungry, um, lonely, and, and angry. Why do you think, what about the lonely part? Why do you think they feel lonely? Because um, people don't really want to be friends with people who are homeless or don't want to really go near them or anything. Yeah. Why don't they want to be friends or go near them? Um, they look at them and they think that they are like a problem and that it's that they don't want to become like them, so they try to stay away from them. Wow. That's profound. Those are some great answers. At this point, I didn't know whether I should feel really proud or if I should cry, because I agreed with Hayden. I, I think that people do want to keep homeless people at arm's length. I've been guilty of that. I think we've all been somewhat guilty of that. Well, in this episode, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of friends. One is Kevin, who's homeless, and the other one is Kevin, who runs Healthcare for the Homeless. So it's going to be the show about Kevin's. This show is going to be like the Kevin show. <laughs> and hopefully, through this episode, you will be equipped with more information about how you can engage homelessness in Southeast Baltimore, and you can care for your neighbor. Give me your name again. Kevin. Kevin, how long have you been homeless? Oh, for a while now. I've been homeless for a minute. <laughs> years. I had my own place for a while. But 
I lost that. How did you become homeless? Uh, my job, my job had laid me off because I had a bad heart and I was drinking too much. I had my wife snitched on me, so they wouldn't put me back to work, so I lost my place. But I go over to my sister's house and take a shower, and sometimes I rest, and sometimes she feed me and all that stuff. But other than that, I'd be okay. As my conversation with Kevin continued, he brought up panhandling and asking for money. I felt like that was a good opportunity to get some more information. So. So explain a little bit more to me about how panhandling works. When, 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 when we see people that are on the street asking for money, how do you get a corner? Oh, you don't get no, well, me, I don't get no corner. I just walk around. I just walk around and ask people for money. And what, you, you, um, what, what lines work good? Well, help a person who's down on his luck. Or can you help me out a little change, get something to eat? and let them know I'm homeless. Be honest. Honesty is the best policy. When you tell them a lie, you end up a lie. So I don't tell them no lie. Tell me about the lady that helped you out this morning. Oh, she was a nice lady. She, I asked her for some change and she gave me two plates. She said, I ain't got no change. You want these two plates? And I said, yeah. You know, whole plate of food. So I took them over to my sister house, over my niece house, and put them in the microwave. Yeah. So when I get tired, I just go over there and lay down. But that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to be a program that people in this neighborhood will hear, and they see homeless people on the streets. What should they know about people that are homeless? That all homeless person ain't a bad person. You know, some people are generous, even though they're homeless. You know, they still help you out. They still give you change if they got it. They'll still help you if they got it. All homeless people ain't bad. You know what I mean? All homeless people ain't good, but all homeless people ain't bad. You know, some people make it off the street. You know, they find a program, they get into the alcohol program or whatever, and from there go get a place. Yeah. What Kevin's saying here, I've heard many times as I've worked in the Compassion Center off Eastern Avenue. I failed to mention this at the top of the episode, but part of my week is spent uh, working with families, individuals that are in need through the Compassion Center. It's owned by the Lutheran Mission Society. It's 1706 Eastern Avenue. It's a 50-year-old outreach that has been caring for vulnerable people in our neighborhood. And one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast was because it was first a research project before it ever was a podcast. And what Kevin is saying here is pretty familiar to me. Um, and he's pretty honest. I, I appreciate the truthfulness um, that came out in this conversation because he's basically saying that this place that he's in is a place that he's decided to be in at this this moment. He um, was drinking his vodka as we were having this conversation. And when we were done, I paid him $2 for the interview. 
and I asked him not to use it on alcohol, but he said he would, and uh, he was pretty uh, honest with me about it. We'll come back to him in just a second, but I want to move to the next Kevin. Kevin Lindemood is the CEO, the president of Healthcare for the Homeless, and he was kind enough to give me an hour of his time to answer some basic questions about homelessness and what Healthcare for the Homeless does for our community. Here's Kevin. Kevin, thanks so much. Glad to be here, Josh. I really appreciate it. I um, know a little bit about what you guys are doing because one of the guys who's become a close friend of mine has benefited immensely from your organization. Glad to hear and that. I, I want to I want to hear in depth what you guys do. But before we do that, uh, let me start with this question: Can you give me a a story that crystallizes why you do what you do with healthcare for the homeless? Oh wow! So, yeah, just go one. back. Go back. Go back. Go like, back. Go back. Um, I I think I'd have to go back to uh, when I was in high school. Mm the mid to late 80s, homelessness was just re-emerging on the national landscape. You, you might remember groups like uh, uh, HBO and Comic Relief were bringing attention to this new national crisis of homelessness, right? right? The federal government just had passed something in about 1987. And I, I went with my high school class in rural Michigan uh, to Washington, D.C. Uh, for a, a, an intense week-long program that, that focuses on high school students. It's been going on for a long time. But, yeah. um, you, you have the opportunity on, on the Friday of that week to kind of go off on your own. So my best friend and I just start walking through D.C. and we wind up in Lafayette Park right across from the White House. Yeah. And uh, he was taking, my, my best friend was taking uh, black and white photographs of people literally with no place to go, sleeping in the park, up against the backdrop of the White House, wow. right? Homelessness in the richest nation in the, yep. in the history of history. Wow. And while we were doing that, uh, this, this guy came up, uh, a guy by the name of Townsend, we knew that because he had a, a green military coat on, uh, and he tapped my friend on his shoulder and said, uh, excuse me, I, I represent those that are staying in this park, and uh, to be frank, we don't want our pictures taken, so uh, I'd, I'd like to ask you for your film. Wow. And Townsend was kind of an a, a enterprising guy. He said, or uh, for a small contribution to the homeless, we'll let you keep your film. And, and we had noticed that Townsend had walked over from uh, th this area on the side of the park in front of some buildings where there were a whole series of boxes and, and sitting in a chair was about a 75-year-old woman and it looked like a, a group of, of people who were there were, were taking care of her and Townsend was part of that, part of that group and, and we said, okay, sure, we'll, we'll give you some money, but uh, we, we'd like to meet you first. And we end up, you know, these high school kids end up uh, talking to this group of five or six individuals uh, for about the next three hours or so. Um, uh, talking about this is when you could still drive on Pennsylvania right. Avenue. So Townsend was talking about looking uh, 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 the president in the eye as the motorcade went by and kind of talking structurally about why he thought there was, there was homelessness. And, and so we, we, uh, when we left, we, we ended up giving them some money, and 
um, this was, uh, it was snowing outside, I'll, I'll never forget, mm -hmm. and this guy goes into a tent and comes out with uh, this blanket, right? Like one of the blankets that, that someone might give away at a, at a drive or something. Um, and uh, said, we, we'd like to give you a gift. And we're, we're looking at each other like it's snowing outside. Absolutely no. And, and, and he said, no, 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 you don't understand. You've given us a gift. We'd like to give you a gift. And I'm not talking about the money. And so we ended up taking this blanket, and there were there we, we cut it in two. And that that's half of it right there. Really? Um, wow. And it's it's hung here in my in my office ever ever since I came here. Um, but but we we ended up taking photographs. I, I look back and I think it was really that moment that made me realize, huh, there's something going on here. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know fully what it is, um, and, and I'd like to know more about it. So when, when I came out of college, I uh, did a, a volunteer corps program in Baltimore and was an outreach worker for this little organization called Healthcare for the Homeless, which had about 30 staff members at the time. Hmm. Um, and it was very much that interaction, I think, with Townsend that drove me to uh, uh, to try to work with an organization um, that was trying to simultaneously um, provide services to those who are experiencing homelessness while also trying to figure out w what is it about our nation's policies and practices that is producing mm -hmm. and reproducing contemporary homelessness faster than service providers can stop it. We were here on the Fallsway Road in the shadow of the city. There's a line of people outside, people coming in and out. That's it's right. a full, uh, I walk through the lobby, full lobby of people. Okay. Tell me about it. Yep, we, we've been in Baltimore about 32 years. Uh, the building that you're in now is uh, just shy of a 60,000 square foot building, our largest integrated site. Um, so you know, we started 32 years ago in two shelters with two nurse practitioners, had a very modest staff. Uh, we were part of a national research demonstration project and we realized that um, you know, homelessness made you sick, it, uh, it, it exacerbated existing illnesses, it complicated treatment, and we had to provide more. And so you know, throughout that history we would uh, add more services, mental health, addiction treatment, move into larger facilities. We moved into this building in 2010, and it integrates medical care, mental health services, uh, social work services, addiction treatment, dental care, um, serves as the home base for outreach workers and people working on uh, supportive housing programs, keeping people in their own homes, uh, as well as the base for people doing community and advocacy work. Today we've got uh, 270 staff members. Uh, this is by far our largest clinical site, but we have a um, clinic in some decommissioned hospital space at Bon Secours in West Baltimore, a clinic on the campus of MedStar Franklin Square in, uh, on the east side in Baltimore County, um, a standalone dental clinic at Our Daily Bread, which is the city's largest soup kitchen, a uh, convalescent care program. Think uh, you're, you're hospitalized and you're sent home to rest, but you don't have a home to go to. Yeah. We have a 25-bed facility on top of the city's largest shelter. Mm. Um, and we have a mobile clinic that takes our services out of these walls and out into the community where people actually reside. So how many people are we talking about? 
We see on an annual 10,000 different people a year, about okay. 114,000 patient visits last year. That's across all of our all of our sites and service locations. Oh. So seeing each person, you know, more than 10 times a year on yeah. average. Um, we see some people every day. We run uh, um, a, a addiction treatment groups, support groups. Um, you you uh, talk to one of our artists on your on your way in. Uh, we have an art group that meets on a regular basis here to try to engage yeah. people into care. You, many people in Baltimore see that large mural on the side of our building that says everyone deserves to go home. Uh, many that that was created by about 500 client staff community volunteers. Uh, but many of the leaders in our art group, our, our clients, help to produce that that mural. What does it take uh, to qualify uh, for to to yeah. get services? So we, we use the uh, the federal definition of homelessness, and and that's a, a a bit of a strange statement because there are at least five federal definitions of homelessness, and they don't all agree <laughs> with each other. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we, 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 we operate by far with, with one of the largest definitions of health and human services, which means that you're, if, you're experience, if you are lacking a stable place to stay, you're experiencing homelessness. So that includes, in, in, uh, according to our definition, those that are physically on the streets or in shelter, but also those who are living transiently from place to place, couch surfing, doubled up with friends and neighbors, living in someone's basement. Um, uh, you know, Homelessness happens because people are residentially unstable and don't have the resources that they need to, to make ends meet. So if that's gonna happen to you, you're gonna depend on your support network first, right? You might, might stay on someone's couch. Um, there are other definitions, the HUD definition, housing and urban development, for example, that are far narrower, that generally exclude that doubled up population. Uh, we, we think that's a that's a big mistake. If we don't focus on that population as well, we're simply producing those that meet that narrower definition of those who are on the streets and under bridges and yeah. so forth. So from your perspective, uh, top of an organization looking mm -hmm. at this need, um, it's uh, from following you on Twitter, it looks like you're actively engaged with other people doing the same thing or across the country. Uh, what are you most excited about in this, um, in, in just caring for the homeless, mm -hmm. healthcare for the homeless? Yep. What's, what's developed more recently? Yeah, um, I, I, I think there's a couple of interesting uh, uh, directions that our, our work is going in. Um, w one is I, I can't understate the extent to which Medicaid expansion, which just happened in 2014, um, has been in implemented in all but, what, 18, 19 states. Um, I can't understate the importance of that in improving access to care for vulnerable populations and giving us more tools and resources to help improve their health. Mm. That's just been absolutely transformative. Mm. I mean, we've been able to provide uh, primary care in our setting, but if someone's not insured, not able to get specialty services to uh, schedule surgeries and, and so forth, um, that, that has really transformed our work for those who are eligible for Medicaid. Uh, the second thing that I think is most exciting is that um, the worlds of healthcare and housing are coming closer together. Hmm. And the broader um, healthcare community is realizing that what we have known for 30 years, that there is a relationship between housing and health and that those who are 
experiencing homelessness are likely to be far sicker. Uh, rates of premature mortality are in incredibly high, uh, three to four times that of the general population. And, and then conversely, that those who are housed uh, are healthier. Mm. Um, and and you know, as I mentioned before, it, it's, um, we, we used to look at housing as like the, 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 goal, the, the end of our work. We were successful when we had housed somebody. I think we're thinking about that differently now. Housing is the very foundation for health. So we can be more access successful in helping to improve health if we can root that care in housing. We as an organization went through a strategic planning process last year and asked ourselves if uh, we were a healthcare organization or a housing organization. And we, we've asked that question in the past and we've always stayed on the healthcare track. Uh, last year we said, well, housing is healthcare. Um, we know that, that our clients who we have housed, uh, that, that their health improves far faster uh, and in a more lasting way than those that are still living on the streets. Mm -hmm. uh, housing is health care and we need to do more through partnerships to increase access to housing and provide the supportive services that people need to stay stably housed. We covered so much ground in this interview. I, I'm having to edit it and cut it down. Again, I would just encourage you to check out the Healthcare for the Homeless website. What I really want to make sure that we get in here is just some practical tips of what we can do. How can people who live in Southeast Baltimore mm. participate in caring for the homeless? what are good, you know, most people working 40, 50 hours a week, yeah. um, but they've got a heart, they, they care, you know, about yeah. people. What does, what are some practical steps that people in this neighborhood can take to care for the homeless? Uh, I think first and foremost is a recognition that people experiencing homelessness are your neighbors too. Um, so you, you'll, you know, I, I talk often to, uh, clients of ours and, and members of, uh, uh, we, we, we try to engage a lot of our clients in organizational governance and, and they you know, repeatedly say, uh, indicate how dehumanizing living on the streets can be and say, you know, I, I just want someone to say good morning to me, to get to know my name, to ask me how I'm doing. Uh, so, so I think first and foremost, recognizing that, that uh, people who are living on the streets or in shelters are your neighbors too and get to know them. Uh, it's amazing how far that, that kind of relationship building can go. Uh, secondly, I think Southeast Baltimore is home to many fantastic service organizations that are working to make the world different than the way we find it. Um, uh, Catholic Charities operates uh, uh, Our Daily Bread, has lots of volunteer opportunities for people to get involved. St. Vincent de Paul operates Beans and Bread, uh, which is in the neighborhood. Lots of opportunities to get involved there. There's healthcare for the homeless. Uh, our, our website is uh, www.hchmd.org and opportunities to, to get involved. Um, but I, I think also getting involved with um, your policymakers uh, to, to talk about um, creating uh, uh, policies that work against poverty and homelessness, that mm. help, help us go in that, in that other direction. I, I also think that, that uh, individuals in organizations can, um, and, and it's interesting that you're talking to leaders, right, in, in this area. 
I think leaders can work to try to enshrine policies in organizations that uh, mirror the policies we're trying to create in the, in the broader world, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll never forget about 16 years ago coming back from Annapolis where we at Healthcare for the Homeless had spent the day advocating for a living wage. There's a big living wage push in Annapolis and we had flyers all over our clinic. And we got back the next day and a woman who worked at our front desk took that flyer off the wall and slammed it on my desk and said, we believe in a living wage? I said, yes. She said, do you have any idea what Healthcare for the Homeless is paying me? Mm. I said, sadly, no. Do you have any idea how, how close my family is to moving into a homeless shelter. Okay. We enacted a living wage policy at the time. Today, no one at Healthcare for the Homeless earns less than $17 an hour. Mm. No one who's been here more than a year earns less than $17.37. That ties to that, that metric of affordability that I was indicating mm. before. Um, just yesterday, the downtown partnership, the downtown business partnership of Baltimore, announced that it was enshrining September 1st a $15 wage floor at its organization yeah. that increases the bottom wage by 50%. Mm. Um, uh, there are, while we're working to shape and change public policy, there are also things that we can do as individuals and within our organizations uh, to, 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 uh, to change those practices. Mm. I want to thank Kevin for making the time for this interview. Uh, hopefully you've got some value out of it and you can actually follow through on th some of the things that he's saying here. I did ask Kevin, who's homeless, about healthcare for the homeless, and here's what he had to say. Kevin, have you ever been to healthcare for the homeless? And what do you think of them? Healthcare for the homeless? Well, I think it's a nice program, but I never followed through. You know, like... I'm trying to get me a room now, trying to find me one. I could have had one, but I got drunk and lost my room. So I got to try to find me another room. Before we're done, I just want to introduce you to another friend of mine who has ben benefited immensely from Healthcare for the Homeless. His name is Albert. He has his own podcast called Yogi Albert Speaks. Here's Albert. My name is Albert J. Miller. I've been dealing with health care for the homeless since November 22nd, 2017. My age is 66. I had did 48 years in prison, got out, and uh, my sister had taken me up there because uh, basically I had nowhere to live. She took me in. My first encounter with healthcare for the homeless was uh, kind of shocking because in most cases when you come out of prison and you go to people for help, as soon as you explain your real situation, there is a wall that goes up. Uh, with healthcare for the homeless, they immediately accepted me as a person. They talked to me in a respectful manner like I was a paying client instead of some clown coming out of the street who had nothing, which is basically what I was, I had nothing. Uh, they explained their services to me, the fact that I would possibly need to have a therapist, and they explained other services that they have, like uh, having uh, a doctor, uh, appointments, 
art class, yoga class, and a case manager. A case manager sets you up for housing and they fill out forms for you and they stay with you. So any major problems that you have, you immediately go to your case manager once one is assigned to you. The case manager will plug you into the other services. But normally the next service is a therapist for especially somebody who's been traumatized by the street or long-term imprisonment. Mm -hmm. From that point out, they invite you to art, they invite you to the yoga class, they invite you to the communications department. Overall, all of my experiences with healthcare for the homeless have been surprising, shocking, and I'm very appreciative to them, and they consistently will give you help. I love Albert. He is such a blessing in my life. Um, I love his story. You can check out his podcast by going to Yogi Albert Speaks on Anchor. He uses the Anchor app to make his podcast. Um, we're going to leave it there for this episode. I'm trying to keep these episodes to 30 minutes or less, which is hopefully uh, your drive time. Um, next week's going to be a great episode. Again, these come out on Thursday afternoons. If you can share this with your friends and neighbors here in Southeast Baltimore, I'd really appreciate it. I have no advertising budget. If you think there's somebody that I should talk to that would make these future episodes uh, more valuable, please send me the information through the podcast website. And again, I want to say thank you to Haven City Church for sponsoring and underwriting the podcasting process. Have a great week.